Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Gym Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Stone. Over there is John Fairbanks. How are you doing, John? Greetings, sir. This week's subject we're going to talk about is how everything changes. Public perception changes, technological tools evolve, uh, the internet changes, social media changes, everything changes, and how that affects your business, not only from a marketing standpoint, which so much of the fitness industry the business side of it, the business coaching is all marketing leads, marketing leads. That's that that changes and evolves greatly. Businesses that used to be relevant or their strategies that they used to do, they're, they're still pushing the same shit. What used to work doesn't always work. Now, what's old will always be new at some point, but it, this is not the way that things are forever in this industry. So uh, we're going to get into some things that have shifted and uh, what you can do to avoid falling into some of those pitfalls. So before we get started, go to gymownersrevolution.com or go into the show notes in our description here and go to the uh, Facebook group. Make sure you get enjoying that. If you own a gym, if you're a personal trainer, if you're about to own a gym and you're interested in kind of learning more and immersing yourself in some of the subjects we talk about, get into that Facebook group. Links in the description. Follow the show at the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. John is jbanksfl and I am Tyler Effin Stone on Instagram. Let's get to it, John. Let's shit on some headlines. Let's shit on some headlines. <laughs> the first one I want to—the one I want to talk about first—is this is going to touch on coaching, training methodology a little bit as well. But this is finding things that you see on research and shit like this now, like on the internet. Now there's just too much of it. There's all too much of it. It's a subject we've talked about on this show and on other shows, but there's now so much information on how you should train or could train and a lot of and nutrition. And a lot of that stuff goes directly to the consumer, the people who aren't currently working with you, or maybe are interested in working with you. Your job now as a coach, isn't to just like be the person who can have, who can like, work somebody out and help them with their food stuff. Now, most of that job is in a polite, tactful way, putting to rest or addressing a lot of the shit that they're seeing and reading that they think yeah. they should do. So much of the nutrition stuff that I see coming across the table, um, I see coaches shitting on, which I think is also the wrong move unless the stuff's just really stupid. But like um, one of the things that came up, so my wife is doing the, uh, it's a throwback from back in the day. The whole 30 challenge. Yeah. Like everything's got to be no sugar, no seed oils. Like it's just straight whole ingredients. I'm sure it's a very healthy way to eat. I'm just not interested in it because it's too strict. Like what? I don't get ketchup for a month. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when I had mentioned something to it, something about that, I, uh, a couple of people who were around me, like fitness people, you know, and other stuff go, oh, that a fad from like years ago or whatever, that fad diet. And I was like, well, it's not really a fad diet. I think the whole thing is set up as kind of a little reset and know how you feel when you're not right. having all the sugar and shit. But that initial impression I thought was really interesting because I start to see a lot of coaches, influencers, whatever on the internet that are talking about anything from nutrition to training very decisively like they wrote the science and know the science this turns into like everybody on nutrition now if you've been around long enough they're all fucking dr fauci on the subject they're just dr truth science like no, no this is the way the thing is you know mm -hmm. and the coaches every coach that i've respected has attempted and done almost every, a version of almost every fad diet at some point and should certainly if personally yeah, like if you oh, yeah. if you are a personal trainer and you're coaching people and the ketogenic diet comes becomes very popular, why would you not fucking try it? Especially if you understand how to really execute the basics of any diet successfully. Why wouldn't you go, all right, how can I do this and do this well? Or how can I try? You should have some real experience to think of if you're a fucking fitness professional. Or if you've mm -hmm. only ever just counted your macros and I did the whatever, the... 30, 40, 30 split on my macros forever. And I've only done that. And I've, I've weighed everything and you do that forever. That's the only thing that you have ever done. What if you ever get a client who just that process really isn't going to work for them? Now you just mm -hmm. simply can't help them. And that's fine. But I just think your experience is so narrow that it makes you unqualified. Are you such a specialist 
You know what I'm saying? Like, are you really such a specialist? You can't try no carbs for a couple months and figure that out. I've tried high carb. I've tried low carb. I've, I've, I've done nearly carnivore minus the ketchup guys. I've done nearly carnivore before I've done lots of hybrid diets where we're cycling carbs. I've done intermittent fasting. I've done midterm, like length, longer term fasting. I've done about everything that you can because like, I don't know, it seems like something fun to fucking try out. I don't understand why everybody needs to be so decisive about it. And now that there's so much information out there, it's very noisy for everybody. And for your clients, you would think that all this information would be valuable to them. You would think that it would be helpful. They go, oh, great. I know how to eat. They could find a meal plan and a diet plan that would probably help them lose weight. There's 5,000 different versions and all of them have science behind them. Now they could find it on the internet today, but because mm -hmm. they're all there and it's all confusing and there's tons of content built around it because it's all semi-viral, it's all as useless as just fucking noise at this point. It's now white noise and there's no way to separate the signal from the noise now. And now that's your job as a coach. Because everybody starts at the same spot, right? I don't, you don't know shit yeah. about fuck right? Yep. You don't know shit about fucking you start right there. And the problem is, is that you don't know, like, you know, you don't know shit about fuck, but you don't like, so what you do is you try to learn. And as you learn, you become belligerent. It's almost like, what do you watch like kids when they learn shit or like, especially teenagers, like so passionately holding on to things that they know fuck all about, right? They heard about yeah, it. A 19 year old talk about how the world works and economics <laughs> and politics. Fuck me. Shut up. Right. All of you. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that's it. Right. And we were all guilty of that. And eventually you get all the way around where you've either tested it. You've learned enough to where you realize, oh, I'm, we don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows shit about fuck. And that's yeah. but you're on a totally different element of that, that whole entire like cyclical experience. And that's where I think gets missed out on is that if you're still stuck on this train where all you do is listen to talking heads and you just form opinions without doing it yourself, you're going to be, you're still stuck in like that adolescence phase. Like you got to just fully admit that eggs are bad. Eggs are good. Milk is bad. Milk is good. Nobody fucking knows. So just make a goddamn decision for yourself. I think that the problem is your clients. I mean, how, how early how are, are they? they? Gonna do like, yeah. there's no way they're going to know. And so for example, with that, there's an article that got put out here in the Washington post was this, when was this? This was like, like this week. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. It was that uh, wall sits, isometric wall sits can lower blood pressure. And now that's getting out there to the general population that one, what a great form of exercise for me to do that I can just do at my home with no equipment. Like what a, what a, how do I word this? What like a poison fruit to dangle in front of? Just do wall sits at home and you'll, your blood pressure, that, that it sounds as though bunches of other things are going to happen downstream from this. And it's like, no, you're probably not actually going to get any stronger. Your probably joints are not going to feel any better. You're not moving through any real range of motion. You're not going to build any muscle. You're not really burning hardly any. I don't even, the gist of this too is that like a wall sit? And if you don't know what this is, you're probably in the wrong, listening to the wrong podcast. But it's a thing we used to have to do. Now, John, I think you did this in college as well, but we never did much of these in high school just because whatever. But like we did a ton of them when we were kids. Like when you're kids wrestling and youth sports and shit, it's just like it was a way you just occupied a bunch of little bastards and didn't make a move. You just go, go against the wall, wall sit till the fucking cows come home. Well, did, what got used on me in college when I was playing football and it's what I now program for football players because it works is it's not a strength exercise. It's a it's mental, mental exercise. Yeah. yeah. Like that's all it is. So it is, you're just mental toughness, which is, can you hold that position while you're, but because we used to have to do it like when they would just fucking blast you for a full hour and a half where it was just legs. So they've just like maxed leg pressed you to death to where they have to pull you out of the leg press machine. And then the next station after they blow the whistle is you and your buddy. One guy has to put a 45 pound plate and press the plate on the ground and do like essentially like the bear crawl, but with your hands on the plate. And you're talking like 
the rubber plates or yeah. the metal plates They're that have the into the ground on rubber ground, right? Yeah. And then you have to go push that the whole perimeter of the weight room and come back. And then your rest period is the wall sit. And now you wait for your buddy to go. Like it was just torture. And so any notion that you're gonna put people into a wall sit with hopes of losing like lowering your blood pressure, like holy shit, you're just hoping to torture somebody. And and the way so many of these studies are done now are so um what's the word hyper specific mm -hmm. like the amount of stuff i see this guy and i think he does pretty good stuff he, he does these really long form videos on like this muscle group attack or this is the best angle at this exercise for don't you get this percent of muscle engagement and then it goes to this other you know well if you go to this grip and this one it's actually 20 percent more engagement time to this muscle and then and it goes through this whole thing it's it's and if you take it all at at face value you're like holy shit i should definitely be doing this exercise this way because all these other ones are bad um but the reality is is like over the scope of an entire workout or an entire person's training system it doesn't really matter and the reason you're focusing on a singular muscle group like that's a level of isolation that most people don't fucking need either. When you look at studies that are generalized, that are about muscle gain, literally like strength gain by percentage, what people don't understand is this type of eating or this type of training frequency or this number of sets will gain this size of muscle, right? That's where they decide what's the most optimal way to train your entire system. But what they're doing, they're being very generalized in the claims and they're using hyper-specific measuring tools, which means most of those, this is how you get this percent stronger with this frequency training is about like a single leg, leg press, right? Most of those things also are done by untrained individuals, which is like the fucking everything works. Wall sits will probably gain size for somebody that hasn't done shit in whatever, but like it's none of it is any, and the thing is, it doesn't mean any of these things are necessarily good nor bad. They all and just are. And, and these uh, attaching an outcome all you have to do is say, here's thing that people know exists and decide good or bad. And I can reverse engineer any number of any amount of research to say that it's great or that it sucks, depending on how I frame it. And then I just put an article out there and it just takes off. It'll work great. Here's the thing I hated the most about this. On top of the fact that like, it's okay, you're picking an exercise that is torturous, right? So this is the idea. But the argument that it will lower or suggests right that this type of exercise can cause a reduction of blood pressure better right better than aerobic activity better than weight training or hit training like it, you know what i mean like holy shit yeah. the idea of like isometric exercises because that's ultimately what the argument is and yeah. they use wall set as the example it just is like it, i don't know man like the idea that you get that particular we all know the problem if you optimize for right blood for pressure the part outcome only over a singular that, timeline and we're yeah. not looking at the whole like the whole concept like we it is it's a nerd's dream and I, it, for me i don't know it just it comes down to where if you allow nerds and dorks to control this narrative the problem is like oh well isn't that interesting and you can do that from home so then it ends up being on like fucking today or good morning america or whatever and now grandma is trying to figure out how she's going to do wall sits at home when she could just walk or sit on the stationary bike and get 20 times the overall health outcomes other than yeah. that singular marker it's crazy yeah so immediately when i saw the bullshit i'm like all right what else can help lower blood pressure like what are things that are scientifically proven that had somebody wearing a lab coat somewhere of what you could do? Tyler, do you know what was on my list? Laughter therapy. You could you could do laughter, lowers blood pressure. Pet therapy. So puppies, right? I would much rather hang out with puppies than do fucking walls, do Hands fucking down. wall sits. Right? Playing playing instruments, video games. Like, listen here. You have you ever has, has your son, you guys, ever, have you ever like dabbled in the VR stuff at all? Not really. No, a couple. I've done a few. Yeah. I owned one There's, of the original ones way back when. So like, like the, my kids got or... whatever, while, but like, it was like the, the lightsaber game where you're breaking the blocks and shit. Yeah. But now they have like the downloadable, so you can get like a bunch of Queen songs. 
Like there's nothing more fucking awesome than Freddie Mercury just belting out in your ears while you were just like destroying stuff that like it's just it's like, you get a way better, that's <laughs> way more fucking fun. And that's where for me it was coming down to. Where it's like yeah. the amount of fun. And then of course, like you have some studies that show like you could drink whiskey, like yeah. moderate amounts of whiskey or beer or wine or whatever lowers blood pressure. And that's where for me again we come back to this idea of like it if you're gonna try and get people to get be healthier or do anything that's gonna improve their life, it has. There has to be an element of like fun and enjoyment. Like you're just not going to get the average person to suffer through a thing. And somehow that now is like exercise or that's what it means. And if you guys out there, gym owners, personal trainers, this is a concept you're probably already familiar with. It's like having to go, oh, this study, it's, it now turns into fucking dealing with conspiracy theory information now. It's all this right. is like, it's been debunked. Like you're out here just debunking stuff for people and it's it, it sucks so i do think you need a wide breadth of experience and you need kind of it's okay i think for people to have a strategy that's kind of like their own thing right my strategy for guys weight loss fits a few different things like there's a process that i take them through that's mine um it's based on a handful of proven things like scientifically proven things but the thing that matters the most to me is did it work for me and does it work for my clients so these things are kind of all blended together in what makes the best four six eight weeks of them starting it's really is what that is what that process is it's not wall sits equal this intermittent fasting equals this so it's a fucking person in front of you so my thing is you know, when someone comes in when i do my my online coaching thing like first thing we do is you would just get your portions in control i put a narrow range on the types and things that you can eat at which times breakfast can be here's a list of things you can have for breakfast pick one of these four and one of these four and one of, the quantities are kind of loose but it gets them onto a thing that's one week okay the next week it's a bit more abundant so they don't kind of like feel like they're starving for two weeks right there's just a little bit more to it third week the training gets really ramped up by the fourth week we start tinkering with a little bit of intermittent fasting i want you to chill out with what you're eating in the breakfast let's go let's not eat anything till afternoon why not really because of the science of intermittent fasting or well, your mitochondrial i don't give a fuck about your mitochondrial health i don't care no. also am i measuring that any coaches out there spewing shit about about fucking it's the power like, house none of you know yeah, everybody knows this. It's the only thing I know about cells, by the way. It's the only thing I know. But people go through all of that stuff. And, and when I, so when I drop intermittent fasting on them, it's because of that person, I think, eventually just needs to learn what it's like and to feel better that they're not hungry, that they're not full in the morning. And then feeling like your stomach is empty means you need to feel hungry. And that's not what it is. And frankly, when I introduce that point in the program is when people, one, start to make a lot of extra progress, not just in the weight loss, but they feel better. That's when I start getting messages like, bro, I don't think I'm ever going to eat in breakfast again. Like I really like feeling light in the daytime and it's easy yeah. to keep my calories low and it's easy for me to keep most of my protein biased towards the end of the day. And I feel like I, when I do my cardio, I'm not feeling like I'm digesting food. Now, is that an optimized system for someone trying to gain 20 pounds of mass? Probably not. But again, let's, this let's is be real. You can drink way more beer at night. Yeah. Like at night I can drink way more beer if I don't have breakfast. It's yeah. science science well no you can actually drink less beer and get the same effect so again you're not losing the calorie fight but that's that and that's just program then evolves from there because it's about a person it's not about science i don't fucking teach yeah. science i don't pass it. so and the important thing is all of these trends are going to come and go so i'm okay by the way y'all out there fuck with some wall sits yeah, go for it do it, go for it. If you're doing whatever. I will not do one. I don't give a shit. It's just I'm not interested in it. I'm not going to go wall sits or fucking pointless. I may have said something like that earlier, but I just don't lie. They're just not, I, it's whatever. But I don't believe that they're terrible and I don't believe that they're fucking the best way to lower your blood pressure. So use them or don't. But that's the, but that's kind of like what you have to take away from all this stuff. So when we get into the other things that we're going to get to talk about here on this episode, um, that's kind of is there's a take it or leave it, but just know that like this information's out there. And the next one we want to get into is, is a big thing that's come out. This has always been the case. These allegations and things like this, that is this influencer, is this fitness person, is this person, is this celebrity on steroids? I don't know. 
Now they have to correct the term from steroids to PEDs. That's been a slow, slow thing. And then it kind of just turns starts to turn into like performance-enhancing substances because <laughs> like then you get to the point where what is really performance-enhancing and where's the fucking line? And people start to hold like athletes or regular people or influencers to a standard of nattiness yeah. that is like, what, is this, a, is this WADA? Like, is this for the Olympics? Like, well, they're not training for the Olympics. Like, can this guy take a fucking peptide for his shoulder. No, no. You remove your natty status. Like that's kind of nuts. Right. And where's the line between taking something for healing versus taking like shitloads of growth hormone and insulin to fucking gain mass. All right. Well, there's a line, right. And who's establishing that line. But because this conversation is more open now with social media and with frankly, just the large, the vastness of the internet, so many people are writing articles about it, calling people out, making their own social media content, just piggybacking, roasting people who are like fake natties or whatever. There's some of my favorite accounts is this guy goes up to people at all these bodybuilding conventions and says, are you natty or not? And the amount of people, one, it's the women, frankly, are the the guys, most of the guys, there's a few guys that are insane for trying to pass it off. Like just, yeah. I don't understand why that far into your career i know why we'll get into that but so some of these ladies there that are like flat out got a voice like mine and got traps bigger than mine and are fucking lean and just round round muscle you know what i'm saying right and nope natty never done anything and like no if i did i'd be huge if i did i'd get so jacked i'm all this way natty imagine if i was imagine if imagine i was if I get the yeah. fuck out of here but because <laughs> of that the conversation has had a lot now yeah. And they can't hide from it. And I think that's a good thing, by the way, because I think me being open about the fact that I had taken steroids when I used to compete in strongman in a sport, by the way, that it's not cheating, that in the ultra heavyweight class, you'd fucking better be if you're going to try and make it very far, especially if you start competing in your mid thirties, in your thirties, like better fucking get with it. Right. Yeah. So did some sauce, got juicy as hell. And in return, now you kind of jack up your hormone system and you end up on TRT at 40, which is fine. I'm okay with it. I'd rather be on TRT than have marginally low T that's just low enough to where I can. So I'm totally fine with it. And I don't, I don't deny it to anybody except, by the way, children. When I coach kids, if I coach kids in the weight room that are 11, 12 years old, and sometimes it'll casually come up, they'll bring it up in some other conversation. I say, no, I do. I will absolutely lie to them about it. Because they're fucking children and they look up to me and I don't want them to go at their age like, oh, yeah, so, yeah, he's jacked. He's a big guy. He's got abs too. Like, so, and I he said, he, I don't want, and I believe that's how all of this starts. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff. It used to be where if you were selling supplements as a pro strongman competitor, the people sure. would shit on would shit on you for it. I remember I had this conversation with the guys at Massonomics once about like Brian Shaw was saying, this pro, this is the protein he takes, and this is the pre-work he takes, pre-workout he takes. Yeah. And it's like, but let's be honest, he may like that protein. He may take that protein. But the difference mm -hmm. between that protein shake and the other protein shake, the other guy's stuff, is not near as important, <laughs> near as impactful as the fact that like that guy is on massive amounts of gear. What's the blend? Yeah. What's the blend? Oh, I prefer, yeah. I prefer kerosene at night, actually, instead of a whey, because it helps me rest a little better. It's like, no, yeah. I think you're up all night with the fucking trend sweats. I think that's what's happening either way. But, yeah. but that, because, but I, so I believe that's where it starts. I believe it does start because you don't want young athletes to think they need to get on early, and that's a big thing that I always talk about with everybody who I'm have who I have this conversation with. It's like, if yeah. you're 20, you just got no need, man. Like, get big. You can get big. Like really put on the size and then it's easier to maintain, maintain without it, easier to maintain with it. And then you can really have some, something to work in, but there's just, you don't want to be on gear for 40 fucking years. You know what I mean? That's just not, not great. Like heavy gear. So yeah. I do believe that that's where that thing starts. And that some of these people get deals with sponsored supplement companies and shit like that as well. And they can't maybe be saying it openly. Maybe that's part of the arrangement. I know that that's the reality. If I was sponsoring somebody and if I was selling them fucking, if I was having them pimp my amino acids or whatever, yeah. I can't have them going on and giving all this praise to trend. You know what I mean? That's just not a good move <laughs> for my business. You know what I mean? And so. And the fitness influencer thing has caused this become way more of an issue. Yes. And, and because there's a lot of them faking it 
simply right. by the way because they're selling and this is the problem they are selling fitness they're selling coaching they're selling online products they're selling a process not based on the process but based on how they look yeah and that is an important differentiator that i always have to you know reconcile my own marketing with is it mm -hmm. like i will post a thing that's me like yo i'm fucking big and jacked like i'll do yeah. that but it's never you want to look like this it's never you need to eat if the way you want to look I like eat. me is not what you're yeah. selling what I yeah. tell everybody is, first off, you're not training or eating the way that I eat, and you're not going to look like me. It's very easy. By the way, most don't. Most The amount of times I've had people tell me they don't want to start lifting because they don't want to look like me, and I have to be like, yeah, well, that was never really in the cards for you. Yeah, don't worry about it. Like, like, yeah, sorry. Yeah, definitely don't lift then because the moment you start picking up weights, you're going to look like me. That's but how easy it was. That's how we, it was that easy. I just, you know, worked out very consistently for 10 fucking years, took drugs for three of them, and have been on TRT ever since. Come on. Uh -huh. What are we talking about? And so that conversation, though, now is front and center, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's important that this be front and center because I think performance-enhancing drugs cannot be an on or off, a good or bad, a red or green conversation. Can't be anymore, not in 2024, because there are things we talk about outcomes of, say, Ozempic, right? Yeah. I have a client who's going to start taking it. I have... Um, and frankly, we've had the conversation that you're buying willpower. You need to understand that. As long as you know that, because we've tried. It's just, a, you know, I've, I've gone over the food stuff, work with the kids on the food stuff. And the kids are doing the thing, but, you know, the parents like, no, no, and it's not working. It's not working because they're not doing it. They're telling me they're not doing it. Right. So my level of frustration is like, I'm not going to work with you. He's like, well, I think I'm going to do this stuff. It's like, well, here's the deal. Like, I here's what I think of it. I'm not the expert. Your fucking doctor is. Say what you will about them. But what am I supposed to argue with them? Right. right. So I'll work with you as we go through this process. But here's how I understand the pitfalls to be. And then, yeah, I want to work with you. on it. The problem is, is now I think this is the real issue is going to be with coaches as this stuff evolves is claiming your client's results more mm -hmm. than your own physique. I think using your own physique, your own drug history, whatever that is to sell your stuff, that's that's going to be washed out pretty quick because everyone's yeah. going to be hit. That's the that's the surface level conversation. Now, there, I see more TRT commercials. I see it more ready available testosterone for men. I see it more talked about than anything else ever, ever in the last year than I have ever seen ever in 10 years in this industry. I would agree with that. And I don't believe it's everywhere. It is the conversation, right? And so, and I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. It's only it's between you, your doctor, your family, whatever. But do you know what's really important is the exact same concept in the first part of the show is you have to have an opinion that's yes. coming from somewhere other than having heard it just from somewhere else. Like you can't yes. just say TRT is good because Joe Rogan says it's good. Yeah. You cannot say that it's bad because I don't, I don't know, whatever the fuck, like it's, yeah, yeah it makes people and small, who are you to shrink or whatever it is. Like it's, by yeah. the way, if someone's going to, someone's going to go, I'd rather them work with me on their training than so it is optimized for with that situation because there are some That's things it. now that you get different advantages for. If they're just going to go train the same way that they were training before, it's fine. It, of course, will help. But like, let's make the most of this then. But the tricky thing, right? I really do pride myself on my clients getting results, especially weight loss guys, right? And if I were to get into a partnership with the clinic that's doing a lot of TRT and prescribing the semaglutide or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, does that turn into something where I can't be like, this guy lost 150 pounds since he started working with me? Right. Asterix, that's tricky. Barry Bonds, like a Barry tricky. Bonds asterisk for the home run record. That, and, and I believe that is the next evolution of this ethics conversation. And ethics I think it's important. Good. And I think that is, it is the evolving ethics of fitness. Yeah. of the fitness marketing and i think you can stay above board and i think it's important too and you don't have to make all your stuff about it but i don't i tell i mean i think every single one of my clients knows that i take testosterone because i don't want them deluded about the situation and i don't right. want them thinking that because i train one way or eat one way like i'm, I'm coaching them with their process not just them on my stuff Right. That's just not the way that this works. You know, there's big differences if someone's trying to gain size. I do intermittent fasting most days. I won't, I'll go 12 to 20 hours. I'll go probably like 17 to 23 hours, actually, is what I fast four days a week, give or take. Right. But you realize and like, it's just because it's of the this, obvious. Because of this now, though, I am not going to go immediately catabolic and just start cannibalizing my own muscle tissue when I'm right. not fucking 
eating during the daytime. That's not how this works because my body is geared a little bit towards fucking preserving muscle tissue. More in my kind of hormone profile is going to enable that. So while you would lose a lot, I would lose, I would be able to carry a lot less muscle. Okay. I'd probably still be not as, certainly not as lean, but I would lose a lot more probably weight as well because my body's not just accumulating fucking size and I can preserve the muscle tissue and I will burn a disproportionate ratio of fat to muscle during those fasting periods. So it's easy for me on TRT because I don't have these big ebbs and flows of my hormone profile during the daytime. And that's different. But when I recommend it to weight loss clients, it's fine. I need you to have a big block of time. And that's more of a habit thing than it is a science thing. I need you to know what it's like. I need you to just not eat so that for a little bit so that next time you're in a car ride, you don't need to stop at a gas station or stop at a drive-thru and get two, 3,000 calories worth of bullshit. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's the lesson there. And so that – but that conversation I think is important to have because if you're coaching people as they age – they are now subject to the most, the highest amount of testosterone therapy advertising as possible now. This is like, mm-hmm. I, I would say it's as rampant. Maybe you and I are just men above a certain age, but I'm getting hit with two things, boner pills and TRT yeah. on my ads, on my algorithm, like heavily, heavily. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure all these guys that are struggling to lose weight, that are struggling to make a change, they see this as a whether it's a shortcut, whether it's an enabling tool, whether it's just another step along the way, however their perception is of it, they're going to go to a professional to get it sorted out. And I think you can still be there for them. And I don't think it's a conversation that needs to be kept under the, under the covers anymore. I think it should be out in the open. I think people need to understand when they talk about this person took performance enhancing drugs. It's like, yeah, define that. Because I promise you one thing as well, compared to most people out there, my diet is, I have peed. Not only do I take testosterone, I also take PEDs. I have a performance-enhancing diet pretty heavily. Is that a problem? I take performance-enhancing sleep every night too. Probably that exceeds the enhancement of anyone else's fucking sleep out there, right? I probably sleep better, more thoroughly, more consistently than 80% of the people that I interact with on a daily basis. Hands down. I'm a nine to 10 hour a night guy. If I'm awake past 9 p.m., it's a goddamn fucking miracle. Okay. So is that a problem? No, but these are all tools in the thing. And I think it's very important. Where Where is the line? As research chemicals begin to evolve, there are things for like BPC-157 for injuries, joint injuries now. Like it's a thing that a person can try that. I don't, does that cost you your natty status? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And I don't give a shit. And I think the reality is, is do you just get to do what you're going to do? And if someone asks, Natty or not isn't a line, I am on the not side of that line if it was, right? And the worst thing I think is people go, well, I am now. I don't take anything now, but I was like, well, just, and again, I don't think it's like a scarlet letter that you have to wear. And I think, but that's what's important is right now it's good versus bad. Right now it's red versus blue. It's Trump versus Biden. It's natty or not. And that's that conversation now. There should be a broader spectrum, and I don't think there should be judgment along that spectrum. As long as the information is open and to the public, and it's, by the way, the other side of this is it's not everyone's business either. There is one important thing that I have learned from these years in the business is that people will come up and ask you that question who don't have good intentions, who have no fucking right to that information either. Sure. And- I don't want to lie to them necessarily. I don't want to tell them yes either necessarily. I had a guy one time who's a fucking weirdo in the gym. That's a fun story. This guy's a fucking weird dude. And he's like, just goes up and like starts, there's something wrong with him kind of. It's not like the fun or a, a, a clever kind of special. It's the type of special where he like still lives on his own. Is probably fucking a super weirdo, you know. But this yeah. person comes to me in the gym and starts jamming me up with some conversation I don't give a shit about. Tries to show me pictures of when he used to be fit. You know what I'm saying? Like literally on his phone. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm just trying. I'm literally trying to be polite all the way through to the point where your presence starts to annoy me after 20 minutes of interrupting my workout. (laughs) Then starts talking about some wrestlers he used to know. And those guys died young, but it was because, you know, because they were all on steroids. That's why they looked better than me. And that's why they died so young. And I said, well, I mean, I think, you know, I think the kind of, Steroids kind of took the blame for a lot of those guys is, uh, you know, lifelong fucking pain medication and recreational drug use. Cocaine use. 
Yes. What are we talking about? Here? Like, like this is the combination of fucking intense amounts of steroids, tons of prescription pain medication, cocaine, amphetamines, and lots of booze and a very rough lifestyle. Okay. Tons and tons of traveling. Like, and so I kind of had that said that very briefly and he goes, well, you've never taken any of that stuff. Have you? And I flat out looked him dead in the face and I go, who the fuck do you think you are to think that you get to ask me that question and that I owe you the answer to that question? I said, I'm done fucking talking to you. Because the fact was, I say, yes, what am I going to get judgment from this fucking clown? Well, in 20 so the, minutes of conversation. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I don't care. And I, so I yeah. just, I went, dude, fuck you. Right? Yeah. Right. Which means what is he going to take away from that? The answer is yes. But the answer is yes. And I'm not mad because he asked the question. I'm mad because go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? Because I told you that you were wrong about the other stuff. But but that's the reality. The conversation needs to be out in the open. And I know how this stuff starts, that it starts with just trying to, you know, in the beginning, it's it's like Lance Armstrong thing, right? Lance Armstrong denied it in the beginning and it escalated. Once yeah. you've denied it once publicly, you just have to constantly, you know, the, they say that the truth shall set you free. And so it really is the thing where, like, you just got to get it out there. Just do it. I don't give a shit. If you do it, it's just, it's for the best. Lance Armstrong started lying about it. The media starts asking. He's got to double down. A few other people come out and start making direct accusations about it. What's he got to do? Like, they're going to investigate. They're going to strip him of his stuff, whatever. So what's he do then? He has to sue that person for fucking slander or whatever, right? Now you're destroying a person who's not lying because you are. Right. And now you're now, in my opinion, that act is worse than anything he did lying about it and anything he did taking drugs in the sport that he was in. It's not that, but it's the the lie escalates and defending the lie escalates to the point where I don't know, these are lessons you learn as a kid, right? Every little movie, like every little lesson about fucking why you shouldn't lie. That's what it is, right? It snowballs into a thing that becomes way worse than the original lie. And all you wish you could do. Is just tell the truth about the thing in the beginning. Yeah. Right. And this Michael Hearn. Oh, Michael sure. Hearn still claims that. You guys Google Michael Hearn and Google his age and Google the way he looks and Google how he's always looked. That's Michael Hearn defends his natty status. I swear to God, it's tongue in cheek at this point. Like, I'm just, I don't even, I'm like, is he, he's got to be joking, but he's really doubled down on it a lot for a lot of years. And I'm sure he wakes up every morning and, He's up at 3 a.m. and very consistent in all the things he does because even though he's absolutely on gear, absolutely, um, he's more consistent, works harder than you, me, everyone who's listening to the show. So that, that's my thing with all of this. Kind of fuck off because I promise he works harder than you and is more yep. consistent than all of you. And But the thing is, remember, where did he, his stuff kind of started out and I'd be willing to bet that it was on the uh, American Gladiator, the Gladiators, right? Yeah, <laughs> that was where he kind of popped through. And I, I would almost guarantee you way back when, when the media didn't go that far, didn't have that much reach. They probably didn't want you on a national television show. When the people start asking around, they want you to say, no, you're natural. They don't want professional football players saying they're taking gear. They don't want, they, they just weren't don't even want asking. They didn't ask Arnold when he went on like, <laughs> hey, you're huge. You take a bunch of shit, right? You, I'll no, tell you this. I have read I have read comments from dumb people on the internet to say that the reason they prefer Arnold's physique to now is because Arnold did it naturally. <laughs> to the, they're like, what are you talking about? It's just cherry not only that, like, Those guys were on not just like gear, but they were on like a lot of it because they didn't have a lot of these other things. <laughs> they were a little more effective. Science, they didn't have to take the like, Science was gnarly. Yeah. Now, so on the O'Hearn thing, I think that's exactly how it went, right? He just had to deny it once and next thing you know you're riding that ship all the way into the rocks so we'll get into another one on the fitness business side of things alex quote alex i'm pretty sure isn't as rich as he says he is and alex i'm pretty sure is a little disingenuous about a lot of shit my favorite pretender poser but he's still rich alex hormozzi so alex hormozzi fucking does a lot of stuff he says a lot of things a lot of things he's, he's done a very solid content marketing strategy building a personal brand mm -hmm. sold a business that basically thrived gym launch thrived in the facebook ads era the pk day of facebook ads right where it just was the one spot where you could really get some action out of selling unethical bait and switch just bullshit products pushing absolutely some of the dumbest most overpriced uninteresting supplements through his brand 
running them all through a bunch of these gyms. He made his fucking cut. He made his made his money. He did his thing. Wonderful for them. I don't I don't fault fault him for any of that. Other than I think that it's it's as disingenuous of a business marketing strategy and as harmful to the end user, the clients, the gyms that did it. They made some money, but their reputation and the client success rate just fucking drops. Right. It's dog shit. It just torches out the reputation for these these brands in there. That's why I I do not see people five years of three four five years after working with Gym Launch talking like it's a good idea, like they liked it. Never right now. All that aside, from the negative impact I believe that they have had in the fitness industry, that's what I believe on the business side of things. Absolutely, all the things that you as an ethical gym owner who really want to be successful but also do the right thing for your marketing and for your clients and not be all of the shitty, all the reasons gym owners are afraid of sales is because of their bullshit. The types of shit that they're selling pretend free stuff, purely bait and switch. All of the worst thing about the industry is kind of what they pushed. We know because we work with some gyms and help them implement some of it before we were like, yo, what the fuck is this? Front row. Trying to make a person go have this sales conversation with a person is fucking absolute dog shit. You want to hear more about it? We'll maybe talk about it some other day, but this is, it's whatever. That aside, there's an article that got put out. God, I got to find it again here, John. Where was this? What's, this was the Daily Mu- uh, Muscle and Strength magazine. This came out in two. Th- so th- speaking of keeping the lie, right? It came too early before he was as rich, as famous, right? This was nine right. years ago, okay? Alex Hormozzi gained 35 pounds in six weeks naturally. I implore you out there, guys. Go out there and look up this article as a man who has gained a lot of size naturally, gotten leaner naturally, and a man who has gained a lot of size on a lot of gear. I am all of those things. Okay. Uh, This in six weeks, go look at this. Strength gained 35 pounds in six weeks. If there was anything that I bet he could, because now I think I've heard him mention in some rumblings that he takes TRT now. Yeah. This is absolute fucking bullshit. It's the purest of pure fucking lies on this thing. It's it's crazy. And like most of the stuff that he's putting out now, there's some value to it in general if we're all going to be just open about it. Like much of the advice he gives on fucking business or just what now at this point, it's all just fucking fluffy shit. 90% of it's just stuff somebody else said that he's kind of repackaging, but it's whatever. Sure. But some of the stuff is it's all valid. No, no information is new. So I'm okay with him just repackaging a bunch of stuff. Everybody is, so I don't care. But right. this is the purest of the pure fucking bullshit here. This is nuts. So I was like, yeah, he was training. You just you just have to look at this thing. It's to claim to have done it natural is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen. I mean, so go look at this. Go look at the pictures. And then what he goes through is punches in what his training split is and what he ate. Now they do the stuff. And I'm like, you you do this and you eat this quantity and you're going to fucking have just absolute tits. That's, okay, so that's what's, for me, Problem. that's where it all comes down to. Is not the tits. 800 body. grams of carbs, trained for three hours every day. It is the implication that if you do that piece. Yes. Like, that's the piece that gets you to victory. Like for me, yeah. it's like that is the principle of which all of this goes wrong, whether we're going to talk about business or we're going to talk about the PDs or any of that shit. It's like it's if we're just honest up front, then it works. It works just fine. The information is solid. But the yeah. idea that you have because for us is that we stand for the 99 percent of the population that just needs to be able to have a gym be what a gym is supposed to fucking be. And not have it be this one percenter head up your ass scientific experiment. Regular humans are going to come across this. And you know who really comes across that shit, Tyler, is fucking teenage boys and early 20-year-olds. Yes. Because that's the issue. The issue is you have dudes that do want to do better. They are doing the research and they come across this. And now they're like, oh, well, this is going to take me to the promised land. It doesn't work. And then the problem is, is that they do then go get mass gainer or they go and buy bullshit because now it's getting peddled on them. Like it just is, it's such a dirty snowball that affects because no one can be fucking honest about any of the things. I mean, naturally is in the fucking article title. Like that's the thing. You're not even trying to be like, 
hey, this is a thing that I did, you know, and like you can do something like, yes, absolutely. It's it's as it's not just disingenuous. You're fucking lying. You're lying. And this was back when just trying to build clout. That was back earlier. It's a decade ago. Right. This is a person who's been chasing clout since forever. Got it. Hustle's good. Good for him, by the way. I'm fine with it. He's, I think it's okay that he has the money he has, but let's hold a person accountable to the things that they do. That's all I'm saying. So if the impact is on this article is you tricked a bunch of dipshits into thinking that they can do that, fine. Wonderful. But if that's the impact you want to have in the fitness industry, go fuck yourself. Right? I think the same thing is if, you know, if, if you're busy, you, you're, you're under the guise of saying, I want to help these gyms become more profitable so that we can, you know, grow fitness in our communities. And in return, I'm running a bunch of pretend free ads to a bunch of pretend free fucking cookie cutter program. That's a pure bait and switch offer. That's the most, probably some of the most unethical shady bullshit I've ever seen come through the fitness industry. Props to you, Jim Lodge. Like that's fine. Y'all got your money, so it had value somewhere, I guess. But that's that's fine. But there's a reason that during this era, how has the fitness industry come along? What have we done? The fitness industry now, what does it do? It takes more revenue than it ever has. It has mm-hmm. continued to grow in revenue, yet our country is less fit than it was. So people like this are the fucking cancer on the fucking industry. That's the problem that's optimized for dollars, optimized for lead generation, optimized for all of this shit. And these fucking hormozy cunts come in here and they just extract, 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 extract. And this is how you happen over their era. Whatever amount of money he made and whoever gyms they helped, hopefully some of them made some good money and then got their ships turned right. We talked to so many gym owners, John. Like, yeah, then the, anyway, so or, or even gym clients. Like my, my gym got involved with this company all of a sudden. I like am embarrassed to go to this gym because of the ads I'm seeing run that are local in my community. I'm embarrassed mm-hmm. when somebody I know who knows I go to this gym responds and gets roped into one of these absolute bullshit fucking sales meetings here and then gets stuffed through one of the most, some of the slimiest fucking supplement sales conversations ever. Just slipping through a fucking slide deck, a PowerPoint was, you know, it's just all of the worst shit. Okay. That's what they've done. They took money from people. People aren't fitter, okay? They did that and made a lot of money. That's great. But that is the issue with the industry over all of these years, okay? Now, on the subject of things changing, perception changing, mm-hmm. listen, If you, I believe running a challenge is fine. I believe running discounted offers is fine. I believe running Facebook ads is fine. I think there's a way to do it that is optimized not just for you to extract money from your community in the short term because your arrangement with these companies are short term. So they're only optimized to extract, 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 and get the fuck out once your brand name is bullshit. And maybe once your brand is worth fucking nothing and you're tired of having all these conversations, they'll buy you out at a heavy discount once you're operating all their systems. That's the play. The play is to acquire you and take your shit and fucking tarnish your brand and fucking make it their thing. And they can continue to churn and burn. You know, it's a cancer on the industry. And it, if it works, it gets you some money, keeps you afloat, whatever, man. Whatever you got to do, I guess. But know that a lot of their tactics are predatory, not just on you, or not just on your clients, but on you as well and your brand. They're, they're going to gobble you up. So fuck them, dude. Fuck these guys. It's fine, but fuck these guys. They're all slick. It's fine. They're slick. But they're not helping people get fit. They're not solving the problem that this industry has nationwide. It's just right. not. So it's not working. Do you want to be the solution or do you want to be a part of the fucking problem? That's what I ask you as a gym owner. And to go forward, it's like all of these things change now that this thing was built. All of the clout that this guy's got is built upon success that they had back during Facebook's ads heyday, right? Facebook Mm -hmm. ads are less effective now than they ever were. Facebook's engagement is less effective. It's more, it's more expensive than it ever was. Like this is not the thing that's the most, it's not, shouldn't represent as large of a percentage of the pie now for your marketing strategy as it used to it used to get by at 100 you just put it all in there and it just would work you know now that ain't it it just ain't it so that shifts because platforms shift public perceptions shift facebook's not cool like it was in 2007 six it's just not right now these guys start to running and this is what happens with you know you get a lot of these no offense y'all you get all these click funnels dorks that's the that's the world he's out of click funnels dorks okay so you get all these click funnels dorks that come out of this space 
And what happens is they think that everything is Facebook ads now. But these are people that are essentially telling you right now, that like, so we're going to start running ads on MySpace. You guys know MySpace is the juggernaut. If someone came to you and had that conversation right now, like, why aren't you running MySpace ads? You would laugh them out of the fucking room. Like, who the fuck is on MySpace, right? Well, who the fuck is using Facebook? Let's be honest. Who do you know? Like, what percentage of people you know that are, like, really active on Facebook? Very few. Of the people you interact with on a regular basis, it's very few. So these platforms change, technologies change. And I think you get to the point where, John, what we do for this podcast was not available. Us to just get on this and stream like this and have it record direct and us be able to just get the audio and get these tools change so much. I built a product when I first moved back from overseas where it was like online coaching, but it was really a process, step-by-step process for how to launch your podcast, what platforms I recommend. Yeah. And what equipment is probably your best options, you know, that are work for money and your, your setup, what factors to consider, what software to use, what platforms to use, how to edit, um, how to market it, right. How to make your clips back then, John, back then, in order to make clips with one, people were making clips. You still see people doing it. People for a long time made video clips, viral clips of their podcast or whatever for the internet. And they would just put a still shot of a thing and then it would just have the audio play over it well that's terrible and unengaging and then it evolved to yeah, the little wavelengths right mm-hmm. then it evolved they do that but then they put captions on it right you so then but you'd have to go oh, in order to do that you'd have to burn them in and i'd have to go through it was like a voice to text software that i'd pay but at least it got it close and then i'd have to edit it and then i'd put it on it yep but a person's face is better engagement so then you kind of have to do video so then we do that. We start doing video. And how, what's my process for that? Well, we found out using that service is one way. The other way would be to go into Instagram. And when you go to post the reel that way, I actually think it was stories that we only do that then or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you go through an auto caption it, clean that up, then export that. And then you could use that for all the other platforms for TikTok. Well, and, and that was revolutionary when that happened. Game changer. I didn't have yeah, to do caption. it from scratch. Yeah. And now all of it's done nearly automatic. And not only that, the software we use, like it's, not terribly expensive, and it just will go through the whole episode and just pull clips optimized for impact, conversation value, different lengths. Like, that's a done deal. Editing was one of the most daunting tasks. If you ever had an issue with your with your audio quality, if someone was way loud, someone's way quiet, you had to get software to go through. You had to download, and I had to, you had to know how to do it. And so I did video walkthroughs of how to do it that are completely irrelevant Yeah, at this point. And now you go through and you just upload your file and there's, you know, Adobe's got one that just done. And now it'll do it. It'll do it on the video too. Mm-hmm. Spotify, you used to know, not have any video. Just not Now you can just upload video to Spotify. Now your video podcast is on Spotify and the audio gets pushed out to everything else. So now using any other platform other than Spotify for podcasters as your centerpiece feed, I think is probably foolish. So the game changes, everything changes. And if you are not equipped to evolve in your coaching strategy, in your nutrition philosophy, in your ideas of what products people want, right? Mm -hmm. Group fitness comes, group fitness goes, cycling comes, cycling goes, fucking cardio, kickboxing, and boxing will come back. Promise. There's been, right, there's been a lull in that type of stuff, right? Group aerobics. Yep. Something like that's going to come back. I think that'll come back somehow, some way. Um, martial arts is, I still think, on the rise. I think they grow by 15% every fucking year for the last decade. With that new so, acquisition with WWE, like you have you have a whole new, you don't even know. They're about to go to net. Like it's for sure, if I was putting my money on black, my money would be in the martial arts mm-hmm. space over the next yeah. decade for sure. Yeah. And public perception regarding what is okay. There are opportunities now when you, have, you are going to have clients who are going to, in spite of everything you say, going to want to get on TRT. Mm-hmm. Maybe just be the person who's there for them when they do. Be there, be the person who's their bridge between whatever they're doing with their doctor and fitness and health and strength training and whatever that is. Same thing with the weight loss drugs. Because human nature, Tyler, what do you do when you teach abstinence when it comes to sex? Does everybody just stop having sex? They, they stop. Obviously, nobody has sex before they get married, and it all works Ever. out. Yeah. No, it's all okay. right? Yeah. So if you choose to be the only abstinence person when it comes to Ozempic or TRT, you're just like, oh, I don't, you know. Uh, uh, it's like, 
well, then they will go elsewhere. People yep. will go seek that out. And that's all, that's been our argument about when it comes to supplements and all the things. Is that yeah, and, I don't, and you don't have to force the most optimized pathway to success on them. Because let's be real, John, if you wanted to get as lean as possible and as ripped about, fine, let's get you on the sauce. Like, let's go, let's go right. like heavy on the trend, run some clan. We're going to, we're just going to build and then we're going to cut, strip it all back. Like, let's just do that. That's success at all costs, right? But that's not necessarily the thing that we need to, we need to find a balance and maybe letting working with your clients to help them find their own balance, their own balance strategy works. My wife had a client who took, got on Ozempic right away when it came out, when they weren't doing the, um, what's the word? They weren't doing the, what's the other pharmacies where they're mixed? What's it called? Not combining. You understand the term I'm talking about? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a fucking word. There's regular pharmacy. So there's like the on brand Ozempic. It's not off brand. It's a fucking, what's the term? generic not generic um, why do i feel like the pharmacies brand? that mix the medicine right yeah right yeah no i'm, no, I'm trying to compounding is it compounding? compounding there you go yeah so they have to get the, they basically have to get it from a compounding pharmacy and then they can yeah. kind of set up their own structure from the doctor that way instead of because what ozempic is on its own is a a dosage and a frequency and a admit method of administration that's what they have a patent on yeah. so they don't have a patent on the chemicals you go with the chemical less dose less frequent then here's your method of it there's not too much crossover they can do it but that stuff didn't exist then so i think this was like a thousand bucks a month this person was on so they got yes. on it that's right. and that's it right. was not something <laughs> that she was planning on keeping it be sustainable but this person had just started working with my wife so she dropped like 15 pounds right away, 20 pounds. And Megan was like really stoked and really proud of her and whatever. Yeah. And then she started putting it on after like two months. Stop. And she's like, what the fuck is going on here? And Megan's like struggling to have these conversations with, and that she doesn't tell Megan at all. That's what happens wow. when these conversations are behind board. Yeah. It's like now she's keeping it too close to her chest. Now she's got no help. She can't tell you. And she put the that weight on plus, plus a lot, right? And then was really bummed out about it and then stopped going to the gym and then started coming back. The problem was for Megan is, thank God, Megan never made any posts about this person's successes because one, it would have blown up right in your face. About 20 pounds, then people see this person around town like 50 pounds heavier. Yeah, that's rough. But the fact is, is if it was just, hey, I'm going to take this, can I have a conversation about the risks and whatever before? And then how are we going to handle this? It's okay for you. you guys, these people's doctors are not working with them on nutrition throughout these processes. Yeah. Whether it's on tea, whether it's on Ozempic, whether it's on anything else, they're not. They're prescribing, they're sending them out the door. They may never talk to them again, by the way, about it at all. It just is a thing that goes, right? And what your job now is to be their liaison, be their concierge to exactly fitness. And now, now you've got this new vehicle that you're going to take there, right? This new vehicle's got a little extra horsepower. It's got some extra demands. You know, the brakes are going to be up run, be a little tighter. Like it's going to be fucking nasty on the gas, but there's some different stuff that goes on depending on what you're taking. Right. So you got to be the person who helps them figure out how to apply that to their fitness and make sure that it works with their life instead of being the person they need to hide it from. Because then once it breaks or once something changes, they're going to just disappear. And then did you really help them? No. And you know what I really like about that idea? It's almost like you can do this thought exercise in preparation for what you hear as a gym owner, as a personal trainer. You start to hear these things are becoming more popular. Yeah. What if, and then fill in the blank. It would be a way cooler version of Marvel's shitty what if series on fucking Disney Plus, right? What if I have a client on trend? How do I help them? How do I make them as optimized as possible? What if, because you can feel it with anything. What if I have monozempic? Fucking put it to side, yeah. put it to the side because put it to the side of how you, how you feel about it, whatever. And that's not what you somebody fucking asked you. My but, first impl implication was me being uh, hypocritical on this. Cause the moment you said, what if you had a client who was on trend? I'd be like, try to get them off it. <laughs> still, they're gonna way, do that, it. That still might be the move if it's the worst. I don't but say I it's not I, right. Like I don't say like you're right. Oh, but I do think you're right. I think that that is the do the thought exercise, right? Yeah. And by the way, it may be a thing where it's like, bro, okay, I'll be with you for this six Why to eight weeks. It? And it, what, how are we getting off it? You have to make sure right. we're off of it. How do we? Because yeah, one, you don't take this up forever. And two, like boy, is that a wild ride? That's <laughs> so fucking. Like you're gonna get divorced. <laughs> that's how that works but, but, but that's right. important that's right? absolutely right doctor, i failed that test i failed that test yeah, just now there right? you go 
and I and I think it's because the most extreme one, John. That's almost not even fair. That might be the one that should be out of bounds, but they're the the videos I enjoy most of the guys that make fun of being on it. Cause there's a couple of like guys that I follow that are bodybuilders that are just juiced out of their minds and they just do mocking trend trend videos of them. Just fucking insane. Anyway. So, but my point being is, is that in a world where people are not going to be dudes about anything, it's really important as if you're going to truly try and be the tip of the spear for the people that you serve and you want to be able to help them. You got to be that one place where it's like, well, well, I don't think doing a bunch of blow and hookers on the weekends is the move for health. If this is where we are, okay, then we need to I'm move happy to have here, you here on right? Monday. Like I'm glad to have you here, right? And I want to make yeah. sure I keep having you here. And then this is a way we can start working with it. So not to be in the most extreme of it has nothing to do with health in that aspect. It's okay. If you're going to do Ozempic, you're going to do it. It's how do we optimize your nutrition so that you don't have all your shit get torn apart and how you don't have these problems that we, I see that people are having it's because the doctors aren't going to, just like you said, they're not going to talk to you about those things. It's just, they are going to, they're going to give you your drugs, send you out the door and they're not going to fucking talk to you about it again. And if people are doing something that is um, publicly unscrupulous where they have to go under the radar, just like Megan's client. It's mm-hmm. now we're kind of, there's an element of embarrassment. There's an element of, I don't want to talk about it because it's like, yeah. it's right. Hey, if your dick doesn't work, it's, and you're going to take ED medicine. It's one of those things where you realize like blood pressure medicine. I, I argue with my wife about this. It has nothing to do with ED stuff, but it made me think of this is, I know. <laughs> hey, right? whatever, man, I'm here for you. We can have the- here we go. Here we go. Therapy hour. <laughs> It's when I go to the dentist, they want you to list all your medications. And so my wife is in like the dental field, right? She's a dental hygienist by practice. And I go, I am not going to explain because if I've ever had to go get a massage, it's the same thing. They want you to list the medications and I'm on blood pressure medication. And I'm like, this is fucking stupid because I don't get lightheaded when I lay down. I don't need, because I made the mistake once. The one fucking time I wrote down, it's like, well, what is this? It's a blood pressure medication. He's like, oh, well, then we have to avoid this, this, and this. And we have to be careful when you lay down. Like, it was all this thing. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. And I actually, I don't want to be fucking talking to you about this anymore. So now I just, nope, totally fine. No problems. Completely yeah. healthy. And I told my wife, I told my wife, I did this at the dentist's wife. She's like, I understand why you're doing that. She goes, but stop it. She was like, you need, because she goes, as a dental hygienist, she goes, there are things that then if we know you're taking this medication, we know to be looking for X, Y, or Z that does happen like in the mouth or whatever. Gotcha. But if it's not there, it doesn't cue us to look. And then we're just, oh, we're not even looking that hard for that. Because it's almost like it's um, the breadcrumbs. Yeah. They get dropped. So for me, it's always like, it's my fucking business. Don't goddamn talk to me about it. I don't want to be here anyway. And I don't want to fucking talk to you about this. But there is There's that a- where... That that almost embarrassment component where they try to hide it, it's. I think for all consumers, I think it's a thing. We try to keep some information close to our chest, and there's um, because of it though, the person working with you trying to diagnose something or simply trying to help you cannot help you because of it. It's a thing that would happen all the time here, John. We had this conversation. Your your air conditioner froze up one time. Called me. <laughs> yes, it did. Right? Now this happens all the time around here. Usually the first time it gets really really hot. And every single time I go to somebody's house and the air conditioner is a frozen solid block of ice inside. It was. And I get there and, and I see and there's a brand new filter in the furnace. Now, if that's the case, that they had just changed the filter and it was filthy, 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 dirty, what the solution is, leave it shut off, let the fan run till it completely thaws out. Most likely, your silly plugged furnace filter is the reason this happened. we got to get all the ice off this once it's thawed out or you can run the heat once it's all thought out, run it again. It's going to run just fine. It's going to be just fine. The problem is people don't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. So people say, they don't want to say, I actually haven't changed my filter in like a year and a half. They don't want to say, they're going to fucking forget, dude. I'm a fucking, I'm a, I'm a dirty boy. You know what I mean? They're like, I'm, I'm dirty. I'm lazy. I forget it. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, right. It, it is so not important. But what happens is I can, if I see that that's the case, 
You're going to pay my $90 fee to show up and tell you what's wrong, right? I don't even need to check anything else. If you tell me honestly, like, yeah, actually it was absolute shit, you know? I said, well, perfect. Let's, I'll just set it sort of thaw out. You run it later. And if it does, if it gives you an issue again tomorrow, I'll come back and I won't charge you that show up fee. And we'll just start over again. But this gives you a chance to get out of this for 90 bucks. When they lie to you, you know what I have to do, John? I got to charge them to sit there for 45 minutes to an hour and a half and heat it while it thaws out. Then I got to check it. And then if there's anything that's even kind of slightly a little bit off, like could be a little bit low on refrigerant. But now I kind of got to recommend that they fix it because we've gone this far. Now they right. can make their own choice. But but now they're in a situation where they could have, it could have been 90 bucks and won't think about it again for five years. Yeah. It's going to cost you 450 bucks now, probably. Like, just tell the fucking truth. Hormozy. So thanks a lot for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Follow the show at Gym Owners Revolution, uh, or uh, the the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. Get in the Gym Owners Revolution Facebook group. Go to gymownersrevolution.com. Follow me at Tyler F. and Stone. That's Tyler E-F-F-I and Stone. And John? You can follow me at jbanksfl. All right, guys. See you next week.